Hello, everybody, and welcome to Career Up Now's Socially Distanced Close-Ups Israel Edition podcast series. I'm your host, Jonathan Hoffman, and today I'm joined by Eve Harrow, Director of Tourism and Community Development for One Israel Fund and host of Rejuvenation with Eve Harrow, a weekly radio show on the Land of Israel Network. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. For those of you listening at home, Eve is an experienced blogger, tour guide, radio host, podcaster, and public speaker whose passion for educating and sharing the rich culture and history of Israel and the Jewish people is a defining element of her life. So Eve, while researching you, I learned that you earned your master's degree in psychology at Pepperdine University. Is that right? That is right. I was wondering if you could share your brief story of how you got to where you are today, how and why you became a tour guide and advocate for Israel. I fell in love with Israel when I was eight years old, the first time we came here. And that was maybe the defining moment of my life. I never looked back. I just knew that I needed to live here one day. And it's not so simple to make Aliyah, as you can imagine. I was first in dental school, didn't like it, switched over to psych grad school. My husband, meantime, was finishing all his medical stuff. We had three kids, so I was going to school at night. And uh, we knew we wanted to make Aliyah, and so we came in 1988. I left my doctorate behind, which was a hard thing to do. I really wanted to get that this ID. But I realized that if we were going to come, we needed to come when the kids were still young. So our oldest was five. It's much easier to come when kids are little, and that's when we came. We had four more kids after we got here for a total of seven. So that kept me incredibly busy over many years. And I got involved in Israel advocacy. I live in Judea. Efrat is in Gush Etzion in Judea. And it was Oslo and all these things were going on, the 90s and terrorism and everything. And I found that I had the ability to articulate what a lot of people were feeling and get it out there. And so I started doing that. I started with the radio show way back then already, like over 15 years ago. The tour guide part happened when my kids got bigger because my main thing was to raise the kids. I was doing a whole lot of stuff, volunteer and all kinds of other things, but the main thing was to get the kids on their feet. So when my youngest was about 11 or 12 and I didn't have to be home every day at a certain time and I was looking for what to do and someone suggested the tour guide course to me and I'd already been running all around the country, especially with journalists and doing all kinds of things. And I thought, you know what, I'll take the course just to get to know the country. It's a phenomenal course. It's very difficult difficult two years but this way I'll have a real insider's look at the country and I just fell in love with guiding and I realized that I wanted to teach other people all these amazing things about Israel in the place where it happened there is nothing like standing somewhere and talking about the historical events or with my Tanakh with my Bible open and explain to them that it happened right here it just connects you in a completely different way and also to get people to understand the context of Israel Because context in general is rarely brought into an equation. It's just like what's happening in the moment. And you really have to know your history. You have to know a broader picture in order to really make sense of the things that are going on. So that's what I started doing. I love the guiding. One of the things that's so hard now with the pandemic is Israel's closed to tourists completely. And it's very strange. I assume a lot of the listeners have been to Israel before. And if you have, you're probably one of those tourists. So you're used to seeing buses and tourists and hearing different languages. It's really strange, Israel, without tourists. Mm -hmm. You know, everywhere I'm going, I'm just hearing Hebrew for the most part. And of course, not having a job. So as a private tour guide. But as you mentioned, One Israel Fund is an organization 
that very much supports the presence of Jews in Judea and Samaria. And they hired me to be director of tourism because I know the areas really well to take people around. And they just asked me with all this pandemic stuff to also be their director of, develop, of community development, which means going to the different towns, seeing what their needs are, trying to find people around the world who wanna promote these places and getting them to donate the park or whatever it is and, you know, and making sure that the communities develop that way. So it's been an interesting tweak in the last few months from physically taking people around to having to do things as so many of us are, as you and I are doing now, in a virtual way. I came up with virtual tours for them, which you can see on my website or on their website, just like 10, 15 minutes in a town, talking to somebody in one of the towns of June's mayor, talking to somebody who lives there, getting a sense of who they are, why they're there, what the town is like, and you know, therefore trying to get people to know people instead of just stereotypes and what they read on the, you know, the headlines, which are so far from the truth. So I'm doing it that way. And I was able to do that because I had more than one skill set, which is what I would say to you guys. If your eggs are all in one basket, like my friends who are tour guides and phenomenal tour guides, but only tour guides are devastated right now. They're sitting at home, no income. They don't know what to do. And because I'm also a podcaster, so I know how to interview people and draw people out and a tour guide and have, I'm not afraid anymore of having a public presence, then I was able to combine all these things now when this all fell on us and find a new direction and be able to still do things and still earn a living and still be involved in what I love in, in a different format. And that was really important. That would definitely be a piece of advice. Have a few things that you're good at so that you can rely on one or the other, depending on what's going on at the time. Along your way to becoming private tour guide and professional advocate, I'd say, for Israel and its history and culture, you must have encountered some obstacles or made oh, some yeah. mistakes, perhaps growing your audience or brand. Can you totally. briefly talk about one or two obstacles you faced and how you overcame them? So the most difficult one, I would say, was language because I moved to a different country. And even though Israel is very Western in many ways, it's Hebrew. And I am very, you know, high level English. I majored in English lit, minored in English lit also, wrote a master's thesis. And all of a sudden I find myself speaking like a third grader. So that was very humbling. And that was something that I really had to work hard at getting my Hebrew up to, a, even though I don't guide in Hebrew, in order to really understand what's happening in Israel and then to be able to literally translate it to my tourists and to the things that I do in my podcast, I had to understand Hebrew really well. And because I was home with the kids for many years, I kind of got a late start on that. So that was definitely one obstacle. I made unbelievably excruciating, embarrassing mistakes also, but I muddled like right on through. You can only imagine. <laughs> but so that was, you know, definitely like a little step backwards, but I kept going. And also I used to be incredibly shy. I was like the person in the picture in school that was like, who was that? And when were we in school with her? And I had to overcome a lot of that in order to do what my passion is, which is explain Israel, the real Israel to other people. I had to get over myself and some of my really big fears. So I definitely, you know, made mistakes over time. 
I remember one particularly bad one, and I'm sure there were many more than that. When I was on a bus, I was guiding a bunch of people, and I said something, because tour guides like to talk a lot, and we can't pass anything without giving you the entire thousands of year history on it. And I said something about having tour guide et syndrome, like tour ets, and someone got really hurt on the bus because apparently her son really has Tourette syndrome, and she thought I was making fun of people with Tourette syndrome. So I realized that you have to also be incredibly sensitive to the people around you. Everybody's got their inner world. And totally, I was devastated that I had hurt her feelings. But, you know, you do, you have to be careful because especially when you make a living like I do of talking, there are people listening if you're good at what you do. And that means that they're interpreting the things that I say, maybe not in the way I meant it. And mm -hmm. so to try and really be sensitive and obviously as sensitive as you try and be, sometimes you're going to screw it up. But so that's something that I've really had to learn as well. And I have opinions and I give my opinions, but there also has to be a sense of not cutting other people off. Like I've got my opinions, but I respect their opinions. And I've interviewed people who have the exact opposite opinions that I have. And I don't want, it's stupid to sit and fight over it. I know I'm talking to America now where everything's political and everything's <laughs> over oh, so yeah. that's something that I've really tried and hopefully been successful at is to have a conversation with someone where they understand that I don't agree with them but I respect them and hopefully they feel the same way about me that they think I'm completely bonkers with my opinions but at least they feel like I'm a good person I'm a decent person it's coming from a good place and that is also a skill which by the way I have to say also comes in handy if you're in any kind of relationship Okay, I've married a long time. So that, that skill set definitely comes in handy in talking to anybody. But because it is so important to me that people care about Israel, I've had to put myself in the backseat. It's not about my being right. It's not about my ego. All right. It's about people trying to open people's eyes to something. And if I'm obnoxious, then and someone's turned off to Israel because I was obnoxious, that cuts me to the quick. All right. I don't have the right to do that. It's not about me. It's about a bigger thing. And all that has taken a long time. And of course, you know, there's still a learning curve. So, but it's, it's that important to me. My passion is Israel and the Jewish people and the continuity of the Jewish people and obviously the future of Israel. And I, that's what I have to keep on the forefront of my mind. And also, as the years have gone on, a growing gratitude to God. I mean, for giving me a skill set and for giving me tremendous meaning to my life and the ability to pull it forward. Because a lot of people have something that's super important to them, but they're not able to move that on. And I've been given that, and I'm incredibly grateful every single day for what I do. Respect and forgiveness are the name of the game. Totally. One of the biggest core values that I think guides my life is having a good sense of integrity, making sure I do the right things at the right time, right. whether somebody's watching me or trying to guide me or whatever making sure I do the right things. What is one core value that you think guides your life? There is not one human being on this planet that I can't learn something from. Wow. That it is better than me in some way. Anybody, be it like the guy on death row, whatever, who looks like he's the total sociopath. There is something about him and about his life experience that he could teach me. And that I can do the same for others. We're all unique. And we all have a specific value. And that has really guided me. Again, in situations where I'm like in debates or it's nasty or it's whatever. Listen, you know, there's always somebody out there that is better than I am at something or can teach me something. I think building off that question, 
You must have had many interesting conversations with people over the years, having rich stories, maybe some wild stories from various people. What I want to know is, throughout all these years of conversations, what's the best piece of advice you've maybe ever heard or received from somebody? Take advice from everybody. Like I said, following up on what I just said. Mm -hmm. Uh, I may not think it's appropriate for me, but listen, if somebody feels that they've got something to say to me that can make me a better person, really listen and really sit with it. At the end, I may say, no, that's not who I want to be or that's not where I want to go, but give it a chance. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Now, personally, I haven't been to Israel yet. As someone who fell in love with Israel at the age of eight, what are some things you want the world to know about Israel? So, A, the food is phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> Especially like the fruits and vegetables. Forget salad dressing. Hummus, all of that. That's something that always surprises people. And I've run culinary tours here is how fresh and amazing the food is. How varied Israelis are, especially these days where there's a whole lot of like even anti-Semitism coming up and this idea that the Jews are all rich white people, which feeds into some stuff. Israel has such a varied population. I was just thinking about this two days ago because we were up in the north in the Galilee and we took the kids rafting on the Jordan River. And I looked around. There were ultra-Orthodox Jews with their whole getup. There were Arabs, conservatively dressed with their whole getup. There were girls in like barely string bikinis hanging out there. There were Ethiopians who are black all the way to like almost albinos. Israel's not a white country. So there was just such a variety of people. And these are Israelis, because remember, there's no tourists here. So everybody was a, that I was seeing are people who live here and are enjoying the same place and feeling uh, whatever it is they're feeling, but the same rights. And, and that is something that never comes through about Israel. There's a lot of the negative comes through, the wars and the terrorism and the, because we're a democracy, it kind of hurts us because we can say anything we want and we're free to say anything we want right? Because we're an open society with free speech, surrounded by countries that the people there don't have that. And therefore, you hear a lot of negatives about Israel because we're free to say the negatives. And you don't hear the negatives about a lot of other countries because they're not free to say it, not because it's not happening. And so there, there is a very unbalanced view of Israel. It's funny because the Russian Jews, the ones who came from the former Soviet Union, they get this really well. You know, Nantan Sharansky actually said that in his phenomenal book. There are two kinds of societies. There are fear societies and there are free societies. And Israel's very much a free society surrounded by fear societies. And so we're constantly trying to say like, no, no, like you don't understand. We're far from perfect and we got plenty of issues. But compared to what we're up against around here and the forces around us, we're doing pretty damn well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, but when you come here, then you see it in a different way. You know, you walk around and you see it for yourself. You see like very orthodox Jewish lady standing at the street corner near the very religious, you know, Muslim lady and with their, both with their strollers and one kid drops a pacifier and the other mom just goes to get it without even thinking twice. Like there's coexistent, we, we live here together all the time. And that you really only sense when you come here and you look around and you just see it for yourself. This is not Universal Studios. Nobody's setting it up for you. You look around and you're really seeing it for yourself. And that I think is, is hugely important. And then when people don't come either because they're afraid to come or it's expensive or they're worried about terrorism or now they're worried about COVID, then it's like our best case can't be made because our best case is just letting Israel speak for itself. Mm-hmm. You gotta be here to do that. You better yeah. get on the too. Within the year, <laughs> hey Jonathan. Promise. Yeah. Now, you moved to Israel after college, right? 
No, I'm not till I was 27 because okay. we wanted to get our education. I was here for a year at Hebrew University. I, mm -hmm. like, you know, part of my uh, thing, part of my university years. But no, my husband and I very much wanted to make our Aliyah work. We'd heard about too many people who tried to come and then couldn't make a living and ended up going back. And we really, we figured we'll take some extra time, but we'll make it happen. So we decided to come after our education. So he became a physician. He trained in internal medicine. And as I said, I checked out after my MA, but then I found, and I was kind of bummed about it for a while that I didn't have the doctorate. But if I'd gotten my doctorate in psychology, I would have opened a practice and I would have helped people with their problems, which would have been great. But then all these other things that came my way, like a podcast and being a tour guide never would have happened because mm -hmm. I would have been set on this one career path that I studied so hard for. And so now I look back and I realize that that was kind of a, a plus in leaving it behind. I wasn't stuck to the psych. Um, and now I'm actually going back to school to Bar Ilan University. I'm starting in a month for another master's degree in the land of Israel studies. Oh, um, that's awesome. my new challenge to go to learning university in Hebrew, reports, the whole shapers and tests in Hebrew from some of the top people in the country. Um, so I'm really, really excited. And I don't have to go back to school. My, th my kids think I'm out of my mind. It's like, you're going back to school you want because my son is at Hebrew U, like just wallowing in tests right now that are just so hard he's got a double major at Hebrew University he's like you actually want to go back to this from your own free will but I do because I I love learning I love teaching but I also love learning and I can't teach if I don't know new things so I'm going to take this opportunity when the tourists aren't here and probably won't be showing up for a while to go back and learn some more so that when they do come back I've got some more great stuff to tell them if a college student or a young professional like you, you were at 27 when you moved, right. were moving to Israel, what's one piece of advice you would give them? So I managed it before, learn Hebrew. Okay. Learn Hebrew, learn Hebrew, learn Hebrew. I don't care how bad you are at languages. I'm not great at languages either. Studied Spanish for four years in high school, can barely count <laughs> 10, but learn it because even if you end up working in an English speaking environment, I've got a daughter working in high tech in Tel Aviv, totally writes copy for, you know, totally English speaking environment, but you still, in order to really fit in into Israel and get it, and get the jokes and get the news and just feel like you're at home, learn Hebrew, whatever awesome. it takes, sit down with the newspaper, whatever it takes, learn it. That's awesome. really important to fitting in. Now, the last question I have for you is, it's one you've been waiting for. It's one I like to ask professionals <laughs> at the end of the show. And it's, if you were a part of a car, what part would you be and why? It could be engine, radio, steering wheel, anything. Definitely not the engine, because I'm not the one who like pulls things. Maybe the rear view mirror. Ooh. Because I like seeing and trying to, I'm not a prophet, but if you can't at least figure out some of the possibilities of what's coming up or like what's there with you where you can't really see it then you're in a lot of trouble it's easy to see like what's right in front of you it's not so easy to see what's around you or behind you or kind of in your blind spots maybe that of course what's coming to mind is jurassic park if you saw the movie where the it says like the objects in your mirror are closer than they appear <laughs> and there's a velociraptor running after mm -hmm. him like, oh. <laughs> that's what i always think about but but maybe that because just to get like make sure you really know what's going on all around you and you're not blindsided awesome it's been great Anyone stuff Eve. You that answer? <laughs> oh well my answer is the cup holders because they're always there for you they're comforting right. Right. and i like to be you that type of person to others so yeah. this has been an awesome conversation i want to thank you again for coming on the okay. podcast eve
Thank you for inviting me. This has been Career Up Now's Socially Distanced Close-Ups, Israel Edition podcast series. I've been your host, Jonathan Hoffman. And until next time, thanks for listening.